This is a HeadGum Podcast. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. Overdue, it's a podcast about the books you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name is Andrew, and horny Honda days, everyone. We're back again with another one of our horny the horn holiday tr- podcasts. The horn truck's here, and it's better than ever. <laughs> uh, so we are a book podcast, as I'm sure you know, and mm-hmm. each week we usually, one of us reads a book, tells the other person about it. Um, and the audience reaps the benefits. Um, we this week are going to talk about a book that we both read that we hadn't necessarily been meaning to read in a like canonical sense. We just wanted to read. Yeah. If, if do you want to let them behind the curtain for my? Because I've picked the last couple of holiday books. I think you want to let let them know about the process. Because I can, I got process notes. I can. Do talk you about. actually have process have notes a, for listen, this one? I have, I have a process for finding these books, and the process is: I go on Google and sometimes Goodreads, and I Google "sexy Christmas book" or this year "sexy Hanukkah book." Okay. And generally, there are like one or two things that comes up, and one of those is the book. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we are, I was going to ask if it was any more complicated than the list of other sexy Hanukkah books that I had sent you that this did not appear on. So I I trust your method. It's worked out for us I'm, in the past. I'm finding this new stuff. You know, I'm trying to find that that new sound that people have been talking about. I respect your uh, your pioneering ways. So we are going to talk about Home for Hanukkah by Celine Banks, which is number one in the Sexy Sylvie series. That currently only has one book, but you know, yeah, this was so. This was published in t- November of 2018. It's a self-published book, and I don't like. I she has a Celine Banks, which I don't know if that's a pen name or not. Unclear. But she has a she has a website that is pretty much just a newsletter sign up form, and that's it. So she doesn't have any other work. I don't really know much about her. Nope. <laughs> um, I love my Persian cat William. A glass of chilled. Something I can't pronounce. Sunsare. Yeah, and a tasty man. Visit me at selenebanks.github.io to join my mailing list and receive a secret sneak peek into what's coming soon. So I don't know if there's a sneak peek out there that we haven't gotten. but If you're on that Selene Banks tip, let us know because maybe there's another book coming. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but well, so yeah, well, listen. We're... I had I had fun with this. Yeah, and I, I had good know, fun with this. The sometimes the strength you can tell whether one of these formulaic sort of holiday stories is going to be good usually by the synopsis like if the synopsis sounds good (laughs) then the book is usually going to be good and that's that's true for these and for hallmark movies and all that like comfort food holiday viewing stuff and and this is good because like we're recording this out of order because we're going to be doing holiday stuff and uh we want to make sure that we get you guys an episode that you're going to enjoy hopefully 
Um, and so why not just kind of relax and have a good time? Yeah. And yeah, this one, I think actually Hallmark romance structure is not a Hallmark movie romance structure is not a bad place like for, if you're not if you don't read this genre of romance fiction very often which we do not like that's not a bad template to bring into the room yeah like the the uh extent of the physical contact in a hallmark property is a they, chaste they kiss at the, on the end. lips yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> if they if it's really worked out they kiss at the end and this book goes further than that this is this is where we tell you that for this episode we are going to swear and we are going to be discussing sexual themes and situations <laughs> yes so uh so be careful who you listen to this one with i i say or be very purposeful about who you listen to this one with um, i mean if we end up teaching someone about sex then i guess we've done our job <laughs> mm, sure andrew can you describe the cover of this book to me can I describe the cover so it's a uh it's a man and a woman hugging you can't see the man's head he's facing the other way i think is he it's a good question, yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, I guess I guess it looks like he is. You can see the bottom part of her face. She's got a very bold lip situation. Yes, yes. Uh, her shirt is coming off. It's like a businessy shirt. Sort of a businessy shirt, yeah. She's got some sensible slacks on, mm-hmm. and the shirt's coming off. She's got a nice brassiere underneath. Yes. Unclear, and then, is he un- wearing then, a suit? It looks like he's wearing like a blazer. Okay. Um, And then under all of this is sort of the default desktop wallpaper for mac os snow leopard (laughs) it's like a space it's like a space deal what if winter in space which is pretty good it it looks good i just wanted to give us a sense of like what visuals the book can give us here is there any table setting you want to do before we get Uh oh i know i just wanted to i want to open with like what what why did you want to do a hanukkah book this year you just want to mix up the yeah, we so actually. I don't have the message to hand. We got at least either an email or a Facebook message that was like, "Hey, y'all, you tend to do uh, like a sexy holiday book. Why not have it not be Christmas?" And I was like, "That's yeah. a good idea." Yeah. Um, so that was that was my literally my only reasoning is like we've been <laughs> too focused on Christmas and the commercialization is ruining it anyway. So like, let's. Let's explore the space. Let's explore other sexy religions. <laughs> um, no, I, I I ask only because, and I think this is this is often a an issue with like Hanukkah stuff. Is it is sort of yes. tacked, It feels sort of tacked onto Christmas in a way, and this this has a long long history. Like I read a piece on Vox called "Why the Heroes of the Hanukkah Story Wouldn't Understand What the Jewish Holiday Has Become." Sure, uh, there's a piece in the Atlantic just called "Hanukkah Why." Oh no! <laughs> Cultural c- critics often blame Christmas for the festival's commercialized kitsch. The real story is much more complicated. Um, just talking about how, you know, going back to uh, Jews immigrating to America in like the late 19th and early 20th centuries were kind of you know, Christmas was establishing itself as a sort of secular commercialized yeah. religion that, that was, was, you know, exceeding the, the bounds of, of Christianity as a religion. And I th- like there was pressure to assimilate, but also a desire to maintain a Jewish identity. And then as Hanukkah became a bigger thing in America, 
and for you know reasons that you should probably remember in you know the 1930s uh you know european jews were sort of decimated and so like american jewishness became a um you know it had a longer history than a lot of the other you know yeah sure jewish pockets in the world and so you know hanukkah's commercialization and the christmas you know, assimilation things started happening in America and then was kind of exported throughout the world. And now it's it's an outsized thing, even though it started as like not a big deal at all. Like I think in the Vox story I was reading, like um There are more important holidays in the Jewish. Yeah, during most yeah. during most religious holidays, observant Jews have to abide by the same rules they do on Shabbat, no work, restricted use of technology, etc. Those rules aren't in play on Hanukkah. So it's like not even one that you go out of your way for. Yeah. yeah. Like traditionally, but then because of the the proximity to Christmas, it's it's become this whole thing. And so in the modern era, you get stuff like the sexy Sylvie book, which I feel like Hanukkah and Jewishness is sort of tacked on to in a, in a few ways. And I'm, that's not a criticism so much as it is something that struck me a little funny as I was reading it. Uh, there's a specific um, moment we'll get to when we get into like dinner ritual and the menorah lighting that I I have thoughts on like if this were not forced first and foremost a sex book, uh, <laughs> what you might do there to like not have it be as... Just kind of, it feels a little perfunctory, but we'll get sure. to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what was I talking about? You were just talking about it. I in this book, it it kind of functions just like a holiday, and you're talking yeah. about the overlap. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And and I don't know. Sometimes that that attempt to create like a Hanukkah analog for every single Christmas thing gets a little gross. Like mm, mm, mm. we were talking in our friend Slack. Uh, last week, I think about an Elf on the Shelf clone called Mench on a Bench, yeah. which depicts some very interesting stereotypes. <laughs> I just don't. I hate. I hate the whole surveillance state holiday tradition. Anyway, I mean, in so, my house, it's Elf in the Trash, so we don't <laughs> we don't truck with that Elf on the Shelf nonsense. Uh, so let's let's get into the book, shall we? Yeah, why don't we? What's the what's the deal with Sylvie? Tell me about her. Well, there's a there's a nice exhibition dump at the beginning of the book that tells us what Sylvie's deal is. Mostly because the book knows that that's not why you're here, right? Um, yeah, right. Uh, and they set up be- because it was December and Christmas and Hanukkah are right around the corner. Yeah, the checkout counters were decorated with tinsel, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, she's so. she's shop- she's shopping at Zabar's, which is like the big fancy iconic food store in Upper West Side Manhattan. It's been in a lot of movies. Um, I, I did not know Doctor Man Doctor Manhattan over here. Yeah, well, I didn't know with that all the Manhattan trivia in 2011 that Zabar's got into a controversy because its lobster salad didn't have any lobster in it, and uh, <laughs> somebody tried to sue, and now it is just called Zabster's salad because it's some sort of mayo-based salad product, I think. Hmm. Or it's, I don't know. It doesn't have any lobster in it. Um, they it's got like in trouble. those Applejacks commercials where it doesn't. Yep, have apples. And it's it true. Doesn't taste like apples. Doesn't taste like apples. Um, yeah. So we get this big uh, info sesh on Sylvie. She moved to New York City after studying at UPenn. What up, Billy? And she's got quote a degree in English. <laughs> desperate to live in the greatest city in the world. Hey, watch it, New York. Um, she works in publishing. 
and her beau Josh just got promoted at JP Morgan uh, eight months prior to the events of this book. They're pumped. They've moved in together. She met him at a bar. He helped her get a drink. They started sleeping together. He takes her on fancy trips all the time. They're, they're super engaged, even though... <laughs> super engaged. <laughs> they're super engaged. No, there are degrees to which you could be engaged. <laughs> well, the ring is very ostentatious, she I says. See, I see. Yeah. And it's not quite her style. And he seems to think that like being... Um, like kind of wielding his money and doing big romantic gestures is a way to prove that he is like into them and into their relationship, but he doesn't really seem to ask her what she wants, but she's going along with it because she likes him and they have a good relation, like sex relationship apparently. Um, And uh, he was the hardworking, successful, generous, honest Jewish man of her dreams, (laughs) which I, which is (laughs) sometimes the book just throws it like it's it's just going about its business and then it's like oh and there's a dreidel there mm-hmm. and that's that's that sort like, of funny to me yeah it's it's like how it should be but also in practice it can feel odd i don't know i don't know how to how to like wrestle with that i'm just that's like a catch 22 if, if you're doing a sexy hanukkah book mm. where it's specifically about being home for Hanukkah, I just feel like it should be less incidental. To oh, the, okay, fair to the whole thing. I don't know. Sure, um, it should be like a sex miracle where there is like only enough lube. Whoa, for for one, one night. night, but then they had enough to keep it going for eight nights. You know. Yeah, I do know. <laughs> uh, so. So she's all into this dude, uh, she, or so she thinks, and she's going to like make him a fancy uh, dinner for their first night of Hanukkah, um, and she buys all the ingredients. She rushes back to their fancy apartment, and it's like, you know what? First, he's working um, on the big merger. On the big merger over the <laughs> weekend. <office>. And... <laughs> She's like, I'm going to go surprise him at the office. She gets kind of just gets a yen to like bone him. And she's just like, fuck it. I'm going to go have sex with this guy at the office. I'm going to merge with mm-hmm. him. And <laughs> can I have a big merger. She the gets office? into a cab and yells, Wall Street, please. And I I'm also sorry. highlighted where she said Wall Street, please, because what do you want? I love I had such a good time with this book because it's stuff like that that I I think it. I, it either knows or doesn't care that that's kind of a little goofy and that works for me. I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I don't, I want to emphasize whenever I can that I, I feel like usually we're laughing with the book a little bit. Yes. And not trying to laugh at it. I will do my best to make that as clear as possible because I laughed with this book a lot. Um, yeah, me too. <laughs> so do you want to describe to me what happens when she gets to the office, Andrew? So once the cab takes her to Wall Street, she gets to the big office. Her husband's ha- been taking Russian classes because he wants to get in touch with his roots. And and we know if, you, if, if you're a careful re- reader, you'll pick up throughout the book that... They are Ashkenazi Jewish because yes. he has Russian roots and also they eat latkes, mm. which is just an Ashkenazi Jewish thing mm-hmm. instead of like the fried donuts, which other kinds of Jewish people eat. Yeah. And of course, you know, some people just eat whatever. Latkes are super good. I'm not Jewish. I, I eat them all the time. I do like a latke. That's true. Yeah, it's pretty good. I would like to eat a latke of them. Uh, so he, she, 
So she's walking through the office and there's a guy, there's just like some <laughs> drone at a desk. And she's like, hey, have you seen Josh? And he's like, what? No. Who's Josh? Forgot about this and she's, guy. And she's like, well, that's weird. Okay. And none of these people seem to be working very hard on the big merger. And she goes to his office. Of course, it's one of those like cornered, uh, like the good wife offices with mm. that's mm-hmm. like all glass and you can see everything that's happening inside for like yes. maximum intrigue. There's nobody in there. Uh, so she figures, you know, he must be off working on a big merger somewhere else. And she draws nearer to a closet and she hears his voice coming from the closet. He's speaking Russian. And for some reason, her mind says he must be like practicing Russian in that closet by himself. How, like, she's like, has like a, oh, how cute. He's like really working on this Russian thing. He clearly came in to like log some fake merger hours and practice his Russian. He must be practicing, she thought. That was just like Josh, a perfectionist who had to be the best at everything. Um, and she opens the closet door. And she sees Josh with his dick out and he's boning somebody else. It's pretty bad. Um, she wa- it's <laughs> she sees a woman and the like the language gets like all of a sudden we're in we're it, in it gets very sexy very yes. suddenly. Um and because earlier when they were talking about like she was establishing her and Josh's relationship. Yes. The the sexual relationship was sort of implied, but she didn't really talk about it at all. So so I was briefly wondering, like, are we going to get sort of cut to black sex mm. in this book or are we going to get explicit? And it gets explicit. It gets, Don't worry it gets it. explicit pretty fast. And then she says, so this is why you've been learning Russian. And the naked woman looked at Sylvie with a blank expression and didn't move to cover her generous breasts or bear pussy, da the woman said, <laughs> just amazing. <laughs> then like Josh is like says I can explain and sh- and like while he is his body is still responding to sex and then she I yells. I think you need to read exactly what the book says. Okay, because okay, I can explain. Josh said as a bead of cum formed on the tip of his cock. There you go. I'll bet. How hard was said. that? <laughs> It was pretty hard, Andrew. <laughs> and so that is just like a really good deployment of comedic like it's it's dark comedy cuz like obviously it's emotionally terrible for her, right? But the mm-hmm. timing is all very comic and uh and yet it's the most explicit thing we've encountered in the book so far. It's a Well, and we get the, we get this like pretty by the book like romance sex book language yes yes that it suddenly switches into but it is for a thing that is to sylvie at least like not sexy at all no <laughs> like not yeah her fiance nailing somebody else yeah so. um so then she decides to hightail it to boston uh how do you i don't know how you say hanukkah she's gonna pack the, she's gonna pack the guy pack the hanukkah, hanukkah. <laughs> um <laughs> i like them in no, i can't do it Menorah. I don't know how you say menorah in Boston, but let me know. Um, And she's at the airport and is like hungry. So she goes to, does she go to a Dunkin' Donuts? She goes to Dunkin' Donuts. She goes to Dunkin', Andrew. (laughs) And she just wants one donut because she's hungry. Well, no, she wants coffee. Oh, she wants coffee. she's She's so tired. She's moving through. Her life, like, it's in a stuporous state right yes. now because she's so shocked by the thing that she has observed. And there is a man 
um, buying a dozen donuts at the airport, which is just driving her nuts because he doesn't know which ones he wants. Yeah, I'm with her on this one. Like, get out of everybody's way, dude. This is tough even at a regular Dunkin' when you want a dozen donuts and you like, I never know what I want when I get up there because sometimes they have like weirdo donuts and I need to, I can't just say dealer's choice because then I'm going to get a bunch of donuts that they they know are trash donuts. Susanna's donut preferences are pretty rigid. And in fact, in Philadelphia, I know that there are some Dunkins that have better donuts than mm, other Dunkins. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. there are the no-no Dunkins, like the one at 16th and Washington. And then there are the good Dunkins, <laughs> like the one that's on 15th and I think Walnut or Chestnut maybe. Oh, yes. There um, is a good Dunkin up there. You're right. Yeah. That's true. So, but anyway, this is all to say, <laughs> I know I know what I'm gonna get. Yes. When I'm going to a Dunkin', but I also like if I'm ordering anything for myself at a Dunkin', including like the breakfast sandwiches and stuff. I kind of resent it if the queue isn't one or two people deep because I need I just need. I a do second. need time. Yeah. Um. So she is mad. She says, "Who the fuck orders a dozen donuts at the airport when people are waiting? <laughs> Who raised this monster? Sylvie rules." Um. And. The man in front of her is six foot five. He's wearing a New York Rangers sweatshirt. Andrew, did you catch this? He had a shaggy back beard, sharp cheekbones, and piercing blue eyes. Oh yeah, no, this is this is one of the fun typos. Yes, I I clocked a couple of these, and this is common for self-published stuff. And Lord knows, like glass houses, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna call anybody out. it's one of those things having typos, but this this one is funny. Shaggy back beard, and then there's one later where um, it took me minutes says, to realize that she wasn't just saying a thing I didn't know. Like I tried to Google back beard to make sure that it was not a thing. That there wasn't such a thing as a back beard. So like the, there's a trend piece in BuzzFeed about back beard. Jokes on me, I guess. Now this this one I knew was not a thing I didn't know about. Uh, Sylvie straddles his hips and rode him, delivering his rock hard cook deeper and deeper. Inside oh her. no! Oh man, that's yeah, that's that's I do just love gonna a happen. Funny typo. I love a funny typo. Yes. Um. So this is like a a classic meet cute moment where she thinks he's a fucking monster with his donuts, and. He's like, oh, which one should I get? And she doesn't want to help him. He says dealer's choice. He says Merry Christmas, Ms. Grinch, to her. She goes, I'm Jewish. He says, me too, and walks off with his donuts. Nice. Um, and they, this interaction, like a lot of these kind of romances, whether or not they're as sexy as these, um, there's like an expectation between these two people that they will never meet again, right? They're like, oh, you're fucking weird. Well, you're fucking weird. See ya. But of course, the next time they're in a in a room with any other people, they realize that they're going to be spending a lot of time together <laughs> for some contrived reason. Yeah. So you want to tell me about that? And she gets to she gets to her parents' house. She gets to her parents' house in Boston. She goes in, and her what's her sister's name? Her sister kind of rules too because she's so like aggressively boring in ways that I want to talk about for a minute. <laughs> Is, uh, um, Bella, Bella is her sister well, and then Bella's husband is ben, ben right yes and then Ben's second cousin is there Bella and Ben I believe are are software programmers from Philadelphia again I think I don't think I got that yes they are software engineers in Philly yeah and there's a there's a bit where they're in the kitchen like helping prepare food and um and Sylvie's trying to keep her mind off of 
off of things and she's she asks Bella how work is and it says Bella complained about the disorganized management at her software company for a long time. <laughs> Sylvie tried desperately to focus on what she was saying but kept slipping back into the vision of Nico's naked body. And then uh spoiler. Sylvie turned back to the potatoes and Bella continued her story about a hackathon in which the teams were improperly assigned. <laughs> <laughs> And that is that is excellent characterization. That Holy is outstanding. Crap. That is perfect, like boring sibling job stuff that you're gonna get into when you see each other at the holiday. Oh, it's, it's so good. I love it. Yeah, because the, and they're gonna be so mad about it, and it's just gonna be them. That emotion is gonna be completely inaccessible to you because you don't understand any of the stuff that they're talking about. Yeah, the holidays <laughs> like this. Are, it's a it's a time where you want to reconnect with people. Usually. But it's not a time where you, like, there's always a tension between, like, hey, tell me what's going on. Okay, but how much time do I need to spend understanding the context for the story you're telling me? Like, I just want to hear about the thing, and then you, I can tell you my thing, and then we're going to eat. Um, I don't need your whole life story. I know you already. Uh, so that's where you run into hackathon problems like that. Yeah, like, I have so much trouble finding that space in between oh things are good and going all the way into yes <laughs> yes 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 um so okay so they're she's with ben and bella her parents they all hate the dude josh who cheated on her with the russian doll lady um and as you said russian doll <laughs> as you said you mean like natasha leone yeah. like, what are you talking about <laughs> um you did you say that nico was here Mr. I had not. I had mentioned him when I was talking about Bella. But okay, we haven't met him. Well, okay. Nico's here, and it turns out that he's the backbeard guy from the airport donut. He, shop. yeah, he brought donuts. It's very nice of him, right? And uh, Ben is. Uh, I think Bella's like, oh, you, yeah, you didn't meet him. Um, he wasn't at our wedding because he was in the championship. And she's like, of chess. And even even as she's trying to dig at this guy, she is like, he's turning her on, which is cool. Yeah, and he says and sometimes you just got sometimes the basement just floods. He, <laughs> sometimes your sump pump just stops working. And he says hockey, and she goes, "Oh, so you're gonna, you know, Mister Famous Hockey Man, you're gonna spend, uh, you know, your Hanukkah with us." And Bella's like, "Oh, you're so rude." And Nico just drops a. He's like, "My mom died. Your parents are cool and like let me hang out." And that's another classic Hallmark movie thing is is you got to pick. Some kind of tra some kind of major tragedy that can like briefly humanize like you don't not, have time not, like, you don't have not, room not, for hum else. not yeah. humanize him for a brief amount of time but really quickly like m signal to you the audience that you're supposed to understand that he's a sensitive boy and he's a good boy and that she's gonna end up with him and it's gonna be good yes he is also um, he's not just emotionally broken his knee was broken. He had a from the hockey. From the hockey, um, he had a big merger on the hockey rink with <laughs> another player. Yes. <laughs> his knee got all fucked up. Um, depending on when this book was in development, I'm not sure how the Rangers were doing. Um, this year, they're just over 500. They're not doing great. They have a because Nico's not on. They have a anymore. net zero goal differential. They're pretty low in their division, but they still have like a slightly winning record. They were in the Stanley Cup Finals in 2014, which is when he would have missed this wedding. So that's possible. 
Um, they have missed the last two years of the playoffs after a long run where they were in the playoffs every year. But like half of the league gets to play hockey playoffs, so it's not that big of an accomplishment. Um, so that's where Nico's coming from. That's <laughs> all I wanted to say. Man, I... <laughs> This, but before they get so you get so frustrated and sad about Philly sports that sometimes it's fun to just watch you get to be a happy sports boy yeah, for a minute. It's really fun. <laughs> well, I get to rag on any New York sports team is really where I where I shine because well, they're all the evil ones there. that we all get to hate just indiscriminately. It's true. So we get this montage of so like Sylvie learns this thing about Nico. She's like, oh, I I'm sad about this moment that I blundered. I'm gonna go upstairs to my you know bedroom for my childhood and be sad and we get this little like sad montage where she is thinking about their relationship and how well if he is cheating on me what else was a lie how long has he been cheating on me that feels very real she is looking at texts that he has sent her and listening to sad voicemails because of course he's he's doing the whole like oh i'm so sorry oh it's I'm seeing a therapist. I'm I really messed up and everything. Yes. You're the light of my life, baby. Please come back. He's a mess. Um she's mm. she browses Instagram and is like having a hard time with all of her friends being happy, which felt very real. That's big holiday and post breakup energy, I yes. think. The line there was nothing safe to look at on the internet just really pinged for me. Mm-hmm. Felt mm-hmm. very true. Yeah. Um, but she does, she does decide, you know what, I'm going to make myself feel good. I'm going to make myself look good. Um, and she kind of like, you know, takes care of herself in, uh, like getting not like dolled up, but just kind of like, she, takes she, care of herself she shaves her legs and yeah. she puts a little makeup on and that's, that's real. Like yeah, for sure. Even I don't really, I haven't broken up with anybody in a while, so <laughs> <laughs> I don't have access to that. But like if I'm getting over an illness or something, the act of putting on real clothes and like and just like pretending like i have feel normal oh sure does go some way toward making me feel more normal um so they get a look at each other as they're on their way to dinner and they're like "Mm, okay clean up okay well because he got these big shoulders and he's wearing a nice sweater and he shaved his back beard he did I honestly thought that was a thing for like five minutes. And I cut as someone who has cultivated a beard in the last 18 months, I didn't understand what a back beard was. Yeah, how's your back beard game? Not very good, I guess. Well, if you if you want back beard to actually mean like growing hair on your back, like I got I do have to go to a barber because I get a little shoulder hair. I gotta take care of that. But boy oh boy. You know, just trying to be open and free on this podcast far. No, that's cool. That's fine. It happens to everyone. Um so we get to the dinner, and this is where we get the, like, what I'll say is the the Hanukkah moments in this book come very hot and heavy in this dinner section. Yeah, and the dinner section is is the rare, well, I don't even know if it's, if it, there's still a shoehorned in quality to it, but it leans in harder than it does other places. Yeah, and it for me it is, the it, it does a thing where I think it is trying to overtly teach the reader or sounds like it's trying to teach the reader when I really wanted like character context about the holiday. Cause what a lot of really good holiday stories do is like use it as a frame 
for the character to think about this yearly occurrence and like yeah, run and like what does Hanukkah mean it. to to sexy Sylvie yes. and to Nico and to everybody? But but, but mostly yeah, there's just a, there's a big spot right in the middle of this where they just drop the Hanukkah prayer, like the bar, yes. Baruch Hatad and I, the whole thing in Hebrew and English, like yeah, the whole entire thing. And there and there's <laughs> something to be said for putting that in the story, right? Like it's not mm-hmm. in as much media as it could be, given how many Jewish people there are, right? Um. You also get like Roz picked up the shamash and used it to light the other candles, signifying the first night of Hanukkah, which as it reads is kind of perfunctory. I would love to know, like, is Sylvie having thoughts about how she'll probably never have a Hanukkah with Josh again? Or is there a family member that she's thinking of that used to say the prayer, but as it said this year, it reads differently. Like, that's the kind of stuff I was hungry for. I mean, it gave me thoughts because like every year since we've been since we've been living together, I've seen Susanna do this mm, sure. little ritual um, like eight, eight nights a year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Most of most of the time, sometimes there's sometimes you realize it's two days into Hanukkah and you just are not on the ball. And sometimes you miss a day in between because of other obligations. Sure. But just thinking about her doing that and, and singing the the prayer and and wondering like how is how are we gonna work henry into this and like what what significance is this gonna have for him and that kind of stuff so that's i that is exactly what i wanted from sylvie in these pages that's why i'm giving it to you yeah thank you you i appreciate it so you get what you need (laughs) happy hanukkah i appreciate that (laughs) um and maybe that's an maybe that's a thing that like i don't know in some of the sex parts of this book you get what they are like thinking about and feeling about it. And sometimes it's just a description of the sex parts. And I don't, I don't feel comfortable quite drawing a comparison here. Um, but I feel like maybe it's like, I'm just going to tell you what happened and you, the reader are going to fill in meaning and then we're going to move on. Maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe that's what's going on. Um, but at dinner, she gets to know Nico a bit more, Andrew. Mm -hmm. How does that go? Do you recall? Um, so they're talking about, they, the you know things turn to Josh a little bit, and I think is it Bella who's saying like, oh, Josh was better than all the other losers she used to date, and someone else is like, well, he can't be that much better because he cheated on her. I think Nico um, says that, doesn't he? Yeah, um, yeah, her fiance cheated. Uh, Bella Vinay, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, he can't have been that good to her if he was cheating. Yes. Um, he was good to me, Sylvie said, looking up into those blue eyes. She wasn't sure why she felt she, the need to defend Josh, but she did. We were supposed to go to Napa for New Year's. He booked this deluxe vineyard package thing under the stars. Do you like Napa? Nico asked in a tone she felt was accusatory. And it gets into a whole thing where we, and you, you alluded to this this earlier, but, you know, she is, she yes, he does very extravagant and nice things for her mostly material things or like vacations that cost money but he does it without really asking her what she wants to do yes and and she starts to think you know what difference did it make if she wanted to go to the diner near their apartment and watch the ball drop with their adorable elderly neighbors and then go home and fuck all night having taken an ice cream sundae to go? Who else would ever want to do that? What Josh picked was romantic and extravagant. How many other men are so thoughtful? 
Yeah, it's like a self. It become it comes out of a self esteem thing that, and then he's like really letting her flounder there. Yeah, that's it's all it's fucked. I'm I'm 34 years old. Like that sounds pretty. It good does sound pretty me, good. Actually, <laughs> it do, but like she she is like comparing herself to this amazing hunk of a guy that she is like feels like she is luckily landed and is like oh he i don't know i feel like you said bella earlier now i'm thinking about twilight a lot it feels similar to like no (laughs) it feels like this like oh this man that i that i can't believe that i am with um i gotta go along with him because uh clear like why would he want to do what i want to do and nico's like nah fuck that i I don't know what to do after hockey's done. Maybe I'll be a teacher. I don't know. Like we get like a, before he opens his mouth in this scene about her, he does like we get a little bit of backstory on him to like humanize him a little further. Yeah, like his hockey career is is over because of his injury. He took care of his and mom. He, yeah. Maybe and, he'll and be so we, Yeah. Yeah, we get the the sense that both he and Sexy Sylvia are in a sort of transitional state in their yes. lives where they're trying to figure out what's going on. Then we get the late night encounter, the kitchen encounter. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> so I don't remember why they're in the kitchen. I don't know if she's like hungry or I don't remember what trope gets them both into the kitchen later. <laughs> Like she is in the kitchen, and then he also is in the kitchen. But the it's it, but it's thing. and it's late at night. No one else is up, and he does apologize. He does say, "Hey, listen, that was a little fucked. I shouldn't have said that." And she's like, "Nah, I get it. It's cool." And then they like start complimenting each other's legs. I think I think they talk about the book that he's reading first. He's like reading some Alice Munro short stories. But then they just start talking about each other's legs. She's like, you, like, she says he has, they like. Talk, they talk about Alice Monroe after, actually. That's oh, the afterglow conversation. Oh, sorry. Yes. Um, she talks about, she she calls him, like, Atlas. Like, his legs are so beefy, he could, like, carry the world. And he's like, no, oh, you have pretty good legs yourself. Now, your legs, he said, are like a dancer's. How do you pronounce lithe? Is it lithe? Yeah. Lithe Lithe. and long. Yeah. Uh, He reached forward to touch them and then stopped himself. Sylvie took his hand and placed it on her thigh. He ran his hands up and down her outer leg and then walked his fingers softly across her skin towards the hot center of her body. He paused, searching Sylvie's eyes for confirmation that he could touch her there. Yes, she said, breathing heavily. Please. And that's one thing I like about this first sexual encounter is there are, there's like multiple occasions of enthusiastic consent from her so mm-hmm, that's cool mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's also there's a bit earlier where she's talking about her career at random house oh yeah uh where she says it, it was her dream job every day she stewarded the publication of books about women books about their hardships their triumphs their pain and their love so that's just kind of nice that's good yeah and that's that's a that sets up that when he is later talking about being an english teacher and reading alice monroe that she's like tell me more please yeah, because there there's a version of this where they bone down and then he starts to tell her about some Jonathan Franzen book that he's reading and then they never talk again. <laughs> so they go for it real hard. Um, and 
she was towards she was dripping wet wetter than she ever remembered being inserting his fingers inside her he immediately found her g-spot pleasure rating mm-hmm. radiated mm-hmm. up and down her shaking legs um and i made a note uh that this probably could have used like a hockey metaphor here i'm not sure like it isn't until later when she's joking with him that she says you're pretty good at full body checking which is good <laughs> But you wanted more of that. Yeah, so I just have a couple things. I like They could have talked about the five hole, which is when you like get a shot between the goalie's legs. Well. Okay. Um, you could have talk <laughs> talked about um, Cronwald. So there's a defenseman named Nicholas Cronwall who is famous <laughs> for checking people when they try to carry the puck out of his zone. Um, she could have talked about the sin bin, which is a nickname for the penalty box. <laughs> You go into the sin bin. You <laughs> could have just talked about the penalty box. Yeah. Um, apparently, there's a thing called top cheese, which is when you score a goal That's in gross. the top corners of the net. Um, and per- actually, relevant. If you, pra- if you practice good hygiene, you never get top you cheese. You never get any top place. cheese. Yeah, it's very important. Um, and if you. Relevant to this one, though, there's a phrase called saucy paws, which is when you have. Like, you have, you're good with your hands. Like, you're so- you have soft hands and slick moves. Um, so I think Nico has some saucy paws uh, to borrow some hockey parlance. Okay, so you did your hockey thing, and now I'm going to do my thing that I wanted to bring to this segment. <laughs> which, if they really, oh, in no. every other part of the book, they're like, oh, and then the latkes were so good, and then we were hanging out, and there were dreidels. Yes, okay. This section, I mean, there really should have been a part where... It was like she saw his huge circumcised penis <laughs> throbbing <laughs> with desire. <laughs> like, like I want the, I want the authentic experience here. Oh man, that would be good. Could you and credit credit to Susanna for asking me whether the book talks about whether he's circumcised or not? Yeah, but it does, I don't it know. Does, if, not. does anyone use a Does anyone use a condom in this book? Nobody uses a condom, including when Josh is having sex with the Russian doll lady, and we'll we'll talk about another encounter. Yes, here I, in a I bit, just think it's a but... missed opportunity that no one uses a condom and calls it like a yarmulke or something. Is that a missed opportunity <laughs> or is it a missed pothole? <laughs> <laughs> Two things. Um, so <laughs> they they bone down and then you're right. Then he talks more about wanting to be an English teacher. Um, and she's kind of like helping him self-actualize his future beyond hockey, his future beyond his mom passing away from breast cancer. And um, she learns a little bit about the time he took on the off season to take care of her, which like thinking about like that could be, God, that would be so difficult to do to like do whatever you games are one. Games are one in the off season. Games are one. I assume this is as true of hockey as it is of every other sport. Well, and the hockey season's long. So like you don't even have that much time to do, to do anything else. So yeah, that would be tough, especially if he was in the championship. Um, 2014. Um, so, they get into the, the the conversation again about whether or not Josh was romantic or if he just did romantic things because uh, he didn't know what else to do. And then lo and behold, Andrew, who shows up the next day? It's Josh. Here he is. Oh, what a motherfucker. 
And Josh, Josh shows up and he says, please, baby, I'm so sorry. Come with me to my hotel room. And literally come I, with me to my hotel room. And I like there are a lot of ways that this ends with a police report that I was not really I like, didn't love it. To. Didn't love and, it. W- yeah, not great that she just kind of goes with him, but she's she, you know she's still dealing with her feelings of affection for him and like questioning whether she was really happy with the relationship. So they go back to the hotel and then they talk a little bit and then they bone down. Yeah, he go he this is um, when he does more of the like hey, I'm seeing a therapist. I'm working on it. You got to forgive me, which is like, hey, good on you for seeking help. But like, I guess this seems like a situation where you should work on that on your own. Well, and also it's a it is a that's not this a, a situation. This is a situation where you do not get credit for mm, like mm-hmm. saying you are doing something or starting to do something like there is a lot of. Yeah, 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 yeah. Actual hard work that you need to do before you are allowed to like. Yep. be given praise or like leniency because because you've done it. It feels very. But bad this is faith, this is yeah. also the this is also a, the section where she really reckons with those feelings she started to have earlier about um about his like romantic gestures. Uh, she says, um, "Oh, this is a good realization." About, yeah, yeah. She thought about all the gifts he had given her, the trips he had planned, how desperately she had tried to make him feel. She appreciated the things he did for her, even though they weren't to her taste or style. How, when she told him the things she preferred, and he brushed them off, she didn't push it, didn't advocate for her desires, and pretended instead the glamorous life that he lived was the life she wanted. She felt at that moment that this too had been cheating a long-term dishonesty that she didn't realize she was engaging in until now. And so I like two things about that. I, I do kind of like it, but I also think the, she also was cheating is a bit of like both sides ism because she does clearly. hmm? Is that how you read that? Does she say she was cheating? She felt at that moment that this two had been cheating, like her telling him that she liked what he was doing, even though she didn't, was a form of cheating is how I read that. Oh, I think and you might be right. I read it as like him not listening to her was a form of it. But I guess I was already no, 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 on her because side. They, no, like, you're she, right. You're right. She, gets to, she gets to a point where she says, well, maybe I also cheated on him a little bit. And then they bone and then she breaks up with him is the sequence of events. Yeah. Okay. And I, I think I mean she it's if she had not tried to voice her own opinions, I guess I could endorse this like read of, of what had happened. But she did try to say what she wanted and he ignored her. That's, so okay. I, I, it's it's hard for me to to get to a place where I can be like, well, she everybody's at fault, you know? Yeah. No, I I just there's just another partisan fray, you know? <sighs> oh my it's, God. I'm glad you I'm glad you read that then cuz I actually then misread that from like cheer from cheering behind her sin box in the stands um basically like him dishonestly loving her essentially like not loving her and what her wants were but just like doing whatever the hell he wanted was a form of cheating but that that and that I think is true maybe um but that's not Okay, and that, and that actually explains more why she then goes and cry bangs him if she mm-hmm. feels like she messed up too, which is not a thing that I really understood in that moment. Because, um, yeah, they cry a lot and bang a lot. 
and then she's like, and it's not it's not a bad bang. No, like, no, it's she, not a bad she bang. She mentions it's it's a it's a it's the kind of bang you get when two people like know each other's bodies pretty well, and that's its own special kind of bang. The, yes. the bang with Nico earlier is a bang where two people are instantly physically compatible. Sure, and it's fun. Yes, I don't know if that happens outside of sex books. Maybe, maybe. Um, but yeah, so she does that, and she's like, "Well, here's your ring back. Bye." She says, "I love you, but you cheating was a blessing. Here's your ring back." I'm going to leave. And he's like, well, this sucks. And she's like, yep, bye. Yeah, bye, idiot. <laughs> we get like, she spends a night watching Nico play with her little cousins, and it's very charming. Um, he got her. They're playing with dreidels. Yeah. He, don't forget. Don't forget. He got a pretty. <laughs> he got her a pretty bookmark as a present when he was out. They bang again that night, and it's pretty rad. Lots of straddling and riding. And Cox. yeah, you know, you know how it go. Yeah, you know how it go. Um, and then they like talk about their plans next, where they're gonna be, how they're both. I think they both like. We don't really have places to go. We're both, yeah, they're both technically homeless, I guess, because he is. You know, he's not on the hockey team anymore. He's been in Pittsburgh dealing with his mom stuff, but that has sort of reached a, an end point. And then she lived with Josh, and now she doesn't anymore. She has she has like means she can get an apartment or whatever, but she doesn't have one now. Yes. And so they're going to go to these two separate cities and be sort of unmoored. Um, uh, Sylvie didn't say anything, and neither did Nico, but she felt him enclose her legs with his legs so no part of her body lay outside his grasp. She didn't know what would happen between them once the sun rose and he went back to, back to Pittsburgh and she to New York, each attempting to piece their lives back together, but she knew, feeling the warmth of his body and the steady beat of his heart, that she would do anything not to lose him. And that's where it ends, which is presumably why this is labeled as a part one of a series that hasn't come Hasn't materialized yet. Yes. I mean, it has come several times, but it has not materialized into other books. Yeah. Let me just try to find... Some good sex real quick before we... There was one... Ooh, there there was one really good... Because I'm looking at a line that's... There it is. Okay, you got it. Go. Uh, I'll, I'll go first. Uh, Grabbing his hand in hers, she felt the explosion coming, rippling outward from between her legs, vibrating around his cock like a bell. Oh, yes, sure. Um, I just had the just kind of this is more generic, but uh, his rippled abs and muscular thighs engaged as he thrust and thrust the tip of his cock engorging with hot desire. When he came, he cried out softly and his whole body shook as if hit by an explosion. He collapsed onto her and the wrapped and then wrapped her soft body in his arms. They're just very sweet with each other while they're yeah. exploding. Yeah, just um, a lot of explosions, but <laughs> very like gentle and mutually beneficial explosions, I guess. Yes. Um, they don't do it. There's no eight times or anything like that, which would be a little on the nose, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's what I wanted, but maybe Sexy Sylvie book too. Maybe, yes. Home again for Hanukkah. Eight crazy bangs. I mean, I feel like you, there are a lot of other Jewish holidays you could also. Oh, sure. You could also start doing like some kind of Passover or something. Like, I, I don't want to get into too many puns, though. I'm nervous because I don't, I don't know what all the holidays are about, and I don't want to besmirch them. That's what I would fear. I, mean, I think any holiday can be horny if you believe in yourself. 
That sounds like a good note to end on. Uh, thanks. <laughs> Before no more elaboration <laughs> is needed. Everyone for listening. Uh, if you have thoughts on your favorite Hanukkah meal, you can email them to us at overduepod at gmail.com. Hit us up on Facebook, twitter.com slash overduepod. Thanks to Becca, Amber, Steve, Britt, Andy, Rebecca, Josh, Florian, Ben, Christine, Amelia, and many more. This episode was recorded not long after we talked about liverwurst on a previous podcast. Lots of people sharing their liverwurst stories. Lots of grandpas eating mustard in my mentions this week. <laughs> Andrew, if folks want to know more about the show, where should they go? Overduepodcast.com is our internet website. We have links to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and our RSS feed. If you want to give us a present for Hanukkah, rate us five stars in Apple Podcasts. Do it. Thanks. Um, we also have a link to our Patreon page. Uh, we just, last night, we recorded the last episode of uh, Hellboys that will... That'll be uh, out by the time the, this drops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the, it's the last episode uh, focused on the Purgatorio before we move on to Paradise. So I thought it was a good episode. I don't know what else. Uh, we got all the books that we have read this month and are going to read. Uh, we'll have January's schedule up yeah. pretty soon. Not this week, but next week. And Happy holidays, yeah, everybody. Yeah, happy holidays. Thank you for listening. Thank you for making this another uh, really good year for the show. Um, I think like like I've talked about, I think, like... The the money we make from the show is not enough to live on, and that's fine, but it is enough to pay for like a bunch of Henry's childcare, which is such a huge thing for me and, and for us. And it just like it gives me so much more like flexibility and, and latitude to just devote time and effort to the show. And I I just that wouldn't happen without you guys. So really, really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for helping out my good pal Andrew. Uh, I just burn all the money that comes my way. Yeah, you just use it to light big cigars. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, what do we say next? What? <laughs> all right, everybody. <laughs> Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. And until then, try to be happy. That was a HeadGum Podcast.